This is the Turn on the Jets podcast. I don't have to convince any one of those eight defensive coaches how effed up I am. These players, they want to defend MetLife Stadium for you guys. Here's your host, Joe Caparoso. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnOnTheJets.com. Back from uh, an eight or nine day hiatus, it's been a little bit since we've had a new episode on this feed, but it's the quiet time of the year if we are going to have a football year, so uh, we're trying to catch our breath and build up some momentum to what could be a busy August and September. Today's episode, we are going to talk with our newest contributor to Turn on the Jets, Matt Giannessas, who has done a great job of running our Instagram and runs a great Twitter account, at Jets Opinion. Both of us decided to write about the Jets receivers this week, so we decided that we were going to put our heads together and talk about that wide receiver group for about a half hour or so. Uh, One of the biggest question mark positional groups for the Jets this year, but definitely an interesting one with a lot of different X factors and wild cards. So we're going to dive into that uh, for this week's show. As a reminder, please subscribe, rate, review this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. And if you have not yet, Subscribe to our subscription odd ad free podcast at turnonthejets.podbean.com. That is the Badlands audio docuseries hosted by me and Connor Rogers. 10 part audio docuseries, which is now turned into about 15 more episodes where we break down a range of topics. Uh, we've had episodes within the past few weeks with Connor Hughes, uh, Jordan Reed, and a few other people. So give that a listen. We'll be back in the next week or so with another episode uh, talking Sam Darnold. That's turnthejets.podbean.com. One time, $9.99 subscription. You get all 25 current episodes on the feed and all of the weekly episodes we're going to do going forward when football comes back. All that being said, Let's jump into our conversation with Matt to talk about the New York Jets wide receivers. Matt, your first ever podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. First time, long time, Joe. Been listening for a while now, so I'm super excited to be on the cast. Um, yeah, and what a better day. You're not going to find a better day to talk about the mediocre Jets wide receiver group. So let's get into it. Absolutely. It is a complete monsoon here uh, in New Jersey uh, and New York in the greater tri-state area, so we're hunkered down inside talking about this Jets group of receivers, which has had, you know, some changes to what was a pretty average group in 2019. So right now, if you look at the depth chart, what we think it's going to be, you're going to assume Brashad Perryman is going to be one of the starters on the outside who they signed to replace Robbie Anderson. We know Jamison Crowder is going to be in the slot. I think it's a fair assumption that second round pick Denzel Mims will be the other starter on the outside. And then from a depth perspective, you have Braxton Berrios, Vincent Smith, both of whom were kind of key special team players, but periodic offensive players last year. Uh, You have Josh Doxson, a former Redskins first-round pick, who they took a dart throw on. Uh, You have a couple undrafted free agents in Lawrence Cager uh, and George Campbell, who are getting some buzz from fans. And then you have rumors of a Demarius Thomas reunion floating around. Would not be surprised if that happens and would not be surprised if he ended up taking targets from Denzel Mims and getting me very angry throughout the season, I guess off the top, uh, and in your article you referenced the Bleacher Report rankings that had the Jets 30th overall from a wide receiver group. Do you think that's too harsh, or do you think that's about right from looking at them a little closer? You know what? As much as it hurts me to say, I think that's about right. I don't think there's too many teams that you look at their roster and go, oh, well, the Jets are much better than them. Um, 
you know, and it really comes down to the wide receiver and the offensive line positions because uh, Le'Veon Bell didn't have the best year last year at running back, but he's still Le'Veon Bell. So when you're talking about the supporting cast, when you when you get to what aren't the Jets great at, it's probably wide receiver and offensive line. And, you know, I talked about it in my article. Joe Douglas did a lot with the offensive line this offseason. You know, I don't know if it's going to be much improved, but when it comes to what wasn't addressed, it's definitely the wide receiver position. Yeah, it's a fair point. They, they kind of – Perryman was a reasonable plan B for Anderson, who I think most of us expected to leave. Mims, I think, was very good value in the second round. It's asking a lot – for a rookie second rounder to make a major impact, especially when there's such a weird off season like there is now. We know training camp is going to be shorter. We know preseason is going to be shorter. There's going to be a learning curve for Mims. And one of the main things I hope is that he doesn't get in the proverbial doghouse and they let him play through some of the issues that he'll inevitably have. So he's that much better for it down the stretch and in year two. Perryman, and I think it's fair, I agree with you on the rankings, because just at like a production level, the Jets don't have a receiver on their roster who's ever had more than 850 yards in a season. They don't have a guy who's ever had more than seven touchdowns in a season. So there's no stats that jump off the page in that way, and there's no guys who've ever been a pro bowler or an all-pro, and I don't think anyone would reasonably project any Jet-wide receiver to be at that level this year. Crowder is really the most proven guy, and he's one of the better slot receivers in the NFL, but... What he does in Gase's offense is almost like an extension of the running game. He's going to have a ton of targets, uh, a ton of short catches, you know, have games like the Buffalo game where he has 14 catches for 72 yards and kind of be the underneath, you know, security blanket. And that's good. And it's valuable and an important part of an offense, but he's not a game breaker uh, on the outside. I think the Jets are hoping that, you know, some combination of Perryman and Mims are going to be able to do that. Perryman is sort of the wild card of this entire group. What is your sort of read on him? Were you happy with the signing? And what are your expectations for him this year? Uh, Well, when it comes to Perriman, uh, you have to think about Robbie Anderson since he's essentially replacing him. And um, unlike many Jets fans, I never was super high on Robbie. I know a lot of Jets fans were. I think a lot of that is because, you know, he came up through the system and undrafted free agent. You kind of cling to him as uh, one of your own guys. Um, I think he was very flawed, but we'll get into that later. So when it comes to Perriman, um, I'm excited. He hasn't done too much so far in his career. It's been, what, four teams in four years, something like that. And um, his best year so far was last season. I know everybody likes to talk about the last five games, 500 yards, five touchdowns, um, something like 25 catches in the last five games. So he showed the potential that he can reach. Um, And a lot of that may have been due to, you know, uh, the lack of Chris Godwin and Mike Evans in those games. But I am happy to have Perriman here. I was lobbying for him before we even uh, lost Robbie Anderson in free agency. Um, So I think he's a burner. He had a sub 4-3 coming into the NFL draft at his pro day at UCF. He's a burner. And I don't know if he's an upgrade over Robbie Anderson per se, but he's a cheaper alternative with, I want to say a higher ceiling. So that's what I find exciting about him. The Jets don't need Perryman to come in and be an 1,100-yard receiver. That's not what they're replacing with Anderson. You need someone who could come in, start 16 games, catch a couple deep touchdowns, and maybe get you 700, 775 yards 
uh, and be sort of a representative deep threat starter on the outside. And if he could do that, the Jets are getting good value on their contract. Uh, hopefully, Perryman is closer to being the guy he was in the final five games last year than the guy he was for the rest of his career. You were taking a bet on that, you know, not being an outlier, which which it was to date. But if he can stay healthy, if he can be consistent catching the football, he has enough speed and deep ability uh, to hopefully open things up underneath for guys like Chris Herndon and Le'Veon Bell and Crowder. Really, the problem at receiver or the problems with the receiver group are not as pronounced if guys like Chris Herndon and Le'Veon Bell are really focal points of the passing game because they both could fill in the target gaps that you would normally pepper on the other receivers uh, because they both in some ways can be wide receivers with how they could be used in the offense. So again, no one's counting on Perryman to go out and be an 1,000, 1,500-yard guy, but can he start? Can he be a consistent starter? Can he be good value on a one-year flyer, which like many of the Jets' contracts this offseason, that's how his deal is structured. It's not a long-term investment. It's Let's take a flyer on this guy. Let's see if he could be a building block long-term. And if he's not, we address free uh, wide receiver next year where there's going to be a bigger pool of talent in free agency and another draft class to uh, to dig through. So outside of Crowder, because there's not really much to talk about Crowder in my mind. We kind of know what we're going to get. He's going to get 100-plus targets. They're all going to be short to intermediate. Uh Despite some perception, he generally stays healthy. He's, paid in, he's played in 15 or more games in four of his five NFL seasons, so I don't think there's any reason to expect that he won't do that again. Uh, right. Mims is a guy that I'm very, very excited about long-term. I, I do really like the Kenny Galladay comparison. I love how physical he plays. I love how he high points the football. I think he's going to be a massive weapon in the red zone. I think there'll be some bumps as a rookie, but I think he legitimately could be a 1,000-yard guy by year two. And I don't say that lightly because that's a high standard uh, to expect a Jets receiver to hit. It doesn't happen that often, as we know. Uh, With Mims, I just hope he gets all the reps and all the targets that he can this year so he can learn on the fly and get as comfortable with Sam Darnold as possible. What, after the Jets end up with Mims in the second round, and there was a ton of different second-round names thrown around with the Jets at receiver, what were your first thoughts when you started to dig in on him a little deeper? Well, I mean, I was ecstatic because like so many Jets fans, I was lobbying for him uh, with the Jets' original second-round pick, and then they traded back, and they still ended up with him. So I was ecstatic off the jump. Um, but when it comes to Mims, I mean, he has all the tangibles of a true number one, if you believe in number one wide receivers. But he's 6'3", 207. He has a very uh, similar build to A.J. Green except that he's actually a faster version of him. I think the one thing that I've seen, I'm not the biggest tape guy, but the one thing that I've seen from some of the tape that I did watch is separation is going to be the biggest problem with him, and it's going to take a learning curve, as it does with all rookies. Um, But we're definitely going to need to see him get a little bit better at that because it's for sure going to be harder at the pro level than it was at the college level. Um, But like you said before, I have this fear that, the Jets are going to go out and they're going to re-sign Demarius Thomas, get older, get slower, and he's going to steal targets from Mims. So I really hope we just get to see him thrown into action. And we, we just – it's not the worst thing to throw a rookie out there and just let them get experience, man. I, I would love to see Mims play as many snaps as he can and we really get to see who he is because it's, it might not be this year that he's that 1,000-yard guy that we want to see, but the longer he's out there and the more he gets experience, the closer we get to that next year. 100%. There's going to be nothing that would be more frustrating than watching 
a guy like Thomas who has no long-term future here uh, eat up targets from Mims when he could be learning and developing. And I do think the Jets ultimately will sign Thomas, and he's the most likely veteran they would add at this point. As a depth yeah. option and as a backup if Perryman gets hurt or Mims gets hurt, sure, that's fine. Um, but more than that, I think it's just like how old and slow is this offense going to be with Frank Gore and Demarius Thomas? Like, what year is it? Like, what are we doing here? Um, what like this is a team that, if anything, should be trying to develop this year. So play your younger players. Uh, when you get past that first sort of crop of guys who are likely to be the prominent starters and uh, play a lot of reps, you get guys like Braxton Berrios and Vincent Smith and Josh Doxson. Of all those guys, the guy that I would buy the most stock on, and it's not that much stock, but if you're just looking within this group, it would be Berrios, a guy that when we talked with Connor Hughes for Badlands, he said the the coaching staff is particularly high on him. We know he's very likely to be the punt returner, so he's going to be on the roster. Uh, And a guy who has some good speed. And I think you know he's probably going to be Crowder's backup, but you could design a package of plays that gets him involved, uh, that takes advantage of his speed. Similar to the design they did for him in the Oakland game, you know, can you design some runs for him? Uh, I see him kind of fitting as sort of a natural fourth and fifth receiver and probably someone poised to get more opportunities than Smith just because Smith's game is a little uh, too similar, I would say, to Perryman and Mims where I don't know what role he really carves out for himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was uh, similar to you. I'm super excited to see Barrios. Uh, on special teams, because it's been a while that we've had a guy returning uh, punts other than Andre Roberts that I feel comfortable with back there. And I did feel comfortable with Barrios back there. And I mentioned in my article, I mean, I'm, I'm fine with calling Barrios or Vince an NFL caliber number four or number five. I want to stay as far away from having guys like Jeff Smith, like we did last year out on the field, or J.J. Jones, just guys that you're saying, who is this when you're watching the game? So I'm happy with Berrios and, and Smith back there. And I agree with you. Smith is more of a Denzel Mims or Brashad Perriman type player. He's faster. He's taller. Um, he has that vibe to him. So I, I agree with you. And I heard Connor Hughes say that on the Badlands podcast. You know, Bar- Berrios is going to be the slot back up behind Crowder. But there's no reason why he can't catch passes. They can't make some packages for him to get in there on some wide receiver screens, some quick slants. Uh, he seems like he's a pretty fundamental guy, and I'm uh, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing how the Jets plan on using him. And I, I think that um, I think that Adam Gase can really get behind, you know, just the type of slot receiver that Crowder and Berrios are. You know that he loves to use them. So I mean, having more than one isn't a problem. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with having that that sort of glut of deaf guys battling it out for reps. The only other guys on the bottom of the dev chart who I think are mildly intriguing are, are Cager and Campbell, but this is going to be a really hard year for a UDFA to break through and get enough reps yeah. to make an impact. You know, maybe these are guys you stash on the practice squad and in a more traditional season, they can make a bigger impact in the preseason or training camp, but we're very likely going to have a very short training camp and maybe one or two preseason games, if that. So it's going to be hard for a guy like Kajer, who's really built more like a tight end, and a guy like Campbell, who has some Robbie Anderson vibes to him with his level of speed and size, uh, work uh, work their way into some type of prominent role. So when we're looking at, I don't know, like reasonable expectations for this group, I would say reasonable expectations are none of these guys are going over 1,000 yards. I think your best-case scenario is that Crowder – replicates last year's stats, Perryman replicates Anderson's stats last year, and you have 
an encouraging rookie year from Mims. Maybe he has five, six hundred yards, five, six touchdowns. He's really a threat in the red zone. And this group ends up being a little more well-rounded than most people expect. You also don't deal with any injuries because if they get an injury, uh, it gets really ugly quick. And it could look a lot like that 2018 game uh, where Darnold was playing the Bears with no receivers out there starting, you know, Andre Roberts and Rashard Matthews and some of these other guys that the Jets had. Uh, it could get ugly quick because they have a limited amount of depth, which is why I think they probably will sign Thomas. But I just have a hard time seeing any Jet receiver get over 1,000 yards. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because hopefully a lot of targets are getting funneled to Chris Herndon and Le'Veon Bell, who at their best are better options than any of these guys in the passing game. I just don't know what to expect after what we saw last year and how integrated they're going to be. It's also, we know how talented Herndon is. We just, is he going to be healthy and how is Gase going to use him? He has not had a ton of success historically using tight ends. He also hasn't had a player like Herndon before. So that's sort of an interesting guesstimate. If you had to say, rank the order of targets, including Herndon and Bell, what do you think that order breaks down like for the Jets pass catchers? Um, well, I mean, Crowder is going to be first in Adam Gase's offense, no matter how you want to look at it. So we're going to have Crowder at the top in terms of who's going to get the most looks. Um, I would probably, it's tough to say Perriman, because if you look at his career, I mean, his second year in the week, he only had 77 receiving yards. So we don't have the biggest sample size with him. He was behind a lot of guys on his depth chart. But you would like to say Perriman? I mean, the Jets did sign him to be that big body outside one. Um, and then you might go to, you know, Chris Herndon and the Ryan Griffin committee at tight end. I think that's a solid group. And I think that Darnold likes his tight ends. So that, that group's got to be up there. And then that's when you get to hopefully somebody like Denzel Mims, where he is up there in targets with the team. You know, you don't expect the rookie to be at the top just yet but you'd like to see the Jets use him more than they've used people in the past that are new to the team. Um, and then you'll have, you know, your usual Le'Veon Bell catching or getting thrown to 70 times out of the backfield if he, if, you know, Adam Gase chooses to use him this year properly. And, and then that's when we'll get to, you know, the rest of the group where you have the Vincent Smiths and the Braxton Berrioses. Yeah, I, I'm very curious to see just how integrated Herndon is in particular. Um, I do think if healthy and if used right, he's the kind of guy who could regularly be the lead receiver on a team and be in that sort of 800, 1,000 yard range. I think it's too risky to project him for that this year coming off the injury and with so much uncertainty. I, you know, with this group, I'm excited to watch Mims more than anything. I think Perryman kind of is what he is and Jet fans are probably overvaluing him a little bit. I'm getting some like, this this is a deep throwback, but I get some like Curtis Conway 2005 vibes with him where you kind of sign this veteran guy. He's up with the team for one year, like underwhelms and then sort of moves on. I, I feel like this is going to be a one-year setup for the, for these two, for Perryman and the Jets. I do think yeah. Mims, along with Becton, along with McGovern, uh, and along with Darnold, are, is going to be a key building block on this offense going forward. And I generally try not to get too out over my skis being excited about mid-round picks, especially mid-round receivers with everything that we've seen in recent years. But I think Mims was that good of value and has the ability to be that good. I think even at a minimum, if he disappoints somewhat, he's going to be good in the red zone. And he'll be a red zone weapon that can regularly be used, even if he doesn't become the Kenny Galladay type receiver that I think we'd all like to see him be. Uh, And with Crowder, 
he's just good value, you know, on what you're getting from him. I don't see any reason to expect him not to be here even next year uh, if Darnold continues to be comfortable with him. And then I think next year, whether it's the draft or free agency and it's someone like Juju or Keenan Allen or someone else who shakes free, maybe the Jets work to make a bigger splash on this positional group overall. Before we wrap, let's assume that everything stays on schedule and the Jets open with Buffalo, which would be, I don't know, about eight weeks from now. Where are you at mentally in terms of your expectations? You run a much more optimistic Twitter than I do, which is a good thing. We got to balance it out on the interwebs and at, you know through TOJ. I still, which maybe some people would be surprised by, I would still pick the Jets to go seven and nine. I'm not saying they're going to be four and twelve. Uh, where are you kind of at with your expectations on their record? Uh, surprisingly, that's that's what I'm expecting too, Joe. I have anywhere from seven to nine, uh, eight and eight optimistically nine and seven but given the schedule that they have ahead of them uh I, i'm thinking seven nine eight and eight is the most realistic outcome to the season look i think vegas has them at six and a half or seven i think it will depend on the start it will depend on the health there's a lot of variables there are seven teams who made the playoffs this year maybe the jets sneak in at eight and eight or something or even seven and nine i don't know but seven and nine feels about right uh, you know if they get bad injury luck it's probably five or six wins if they stay healthy maybe it ends up being eight or nine and Donald of course is the x factor in all of this and I do think the overriding narrative for this season is going to be sort of the push and pull on Sam Darnold and the coaching staff is if there's any struggles on the offense or the team isn't good consistently, is it Sam Darnold's fault or is it the coaching staff's fault? I think we certainly feel one way where we'd like to see Darnold, even if he's not great this year, get an opportunity with another coaching staff. But there will be a narrative out there that, look, like statistically, he's just not the guy. And certain guys reach a certain point after two or three seasons and you kind of have an idea of what they are. Now, I don't buy that because of his circumstances and because of how – young he is but there is a reasonable contingent of people out there who cover the team who don't necessarily have an anti-Jets or anti-Darnold bias who are just looking at the stats and saying look it's uncommon for someone to have these stats the first two years of their career and develop into a top tier starter now this is a unique situation and if Darnold takes a similar step forward from year two to year three that he did from year one to year two which is a small step but a step forward I'm 100% bringing him back with a different coaching staff the only way I'm not is if he suffers a serious injury, because then he then he's missed time three years in a row with some type of injury or ailment, uh, or the Jets really bottom out and he has like a disastrous like Mark Sanchez twenty twelve season and the team goes three and thirteen. I don't think that's going to happen. I think they'll go seven and nine. I think Darn will be the starting quarterback next year, uh, and I think they'll have a different head coach. I've not been optimistic about that, but I do think that this season is likely to break in a way where they do ultimately change the head coach. So that's kind of where I'm at mentally right now. Uh, any final words or sign off on your uh, first podcast? Uh, yeah, I mean, last words. First of all, wear your mask because I want to watch football this season. So <laughs> please make sure to wear your mask. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, agreeing with what you said, I, I actually saw some screenshot on Twitter today. I don't know what game it was from, but Darnold was responsible for 83% of the team's touchdowns at that time, which was second most in the league. We both know, I mean, we both agree that we should have him back regardless of what happens this year, unless it's, you know, that disastrous Mark Sanchez season. So um, fingers crossed that that we don't even have to talk about this next year. Uh, The wide receiver group does enough that we're comfortable with Darnold uh, going into the next year. And uh, lastly, yeah, just thanks for having me. First time uh, on the show and uh, means a lot. So I appreciate it. 
Happy to have you on. Everybody, make sure you're following Turn on the Jets on Instagram. It's Turn on the Jets underscore IG. Matt's doing a great job over there. And follow Matt on Twitter at Jets Opinion. Follow me on Twitter at Jay Caparoso. Turn on the Jets.podbean.com. Subscribe. New episode coming there soon. And hit us with a rate, rating and review here. Everyone, enjoy your weekend. Stay dry out there. Wear your mask. And we will be back next week.